do you think Christmas will be canceled? April 26th. Sunday weekend. Mm-hmm. A lot of news still happens on weekends yeah. in the world of COVID. Things are happening. Press conferences still happen. So we heard, was it today or yesterday, that schools in Ontario are going to be out till May 31st. Mm-hmm. And I feel like nobody really thinks they're coming back this year, but I don't know why they just keep extending it bit by bit. I've heard there's some kind of like, there's reasons of protocol that they can only right. extend it by so much. Yeah. But anyways, now it's just like, oh yeah, compared to the first time. Yeah. Remember that first Thursday when they announced schools would be closed two for extra two weeks, weeks and we were like, <gasps> a long time <laughs> and now they just closed it for like another six or four or six weeks and uh-huh. we're just like oh yeah barely news it's yeah, the world it's now. expected um and the other announcement you might know more about this than me oh. is ontario's paying psws more i think all frontline were the the headline i saw was a lot of frontline workers are getting four dollars more per hour Four dollars more per hour, plus some kind of monthly bonus if they work a hundred hours. Yeah, a month or more. I don't know. Um, but I did hear paramedics and RTs were not included in that. Respiratory therapists, respiratory oh, therapists weird. are the ones that do, or among the ones that do intubations and like the highest yeah. risk procedure. Yeah. So that's odd. Um. Yeah, I heard Andrea Horowath. Horvath said that, and yeah. so that another headline. So I do not know the details of that, though. But uh-huh. more money coming for people, which is very good. Did we mention the thing for students already? I think we did actually. Now I remember. Yeah, I think you talked student. about that. Um, Quebec. It sounds like there's there. So speaking of school being out, it does sound like they're going to try. Like the premier seems to be trying to justify having students come back to school for some period this year mm-hmm. and there's definitely controversial yeah well we just don't know yeah we don't have the evidence to know if that is a safe thing or not yeah um david fisman epidemiologist at university of toronto and our mm-hmm. favorite person to read on twitter mm-hmm. um was saying how like in influenza, for example, kids are carriers of it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, older people are much more likely to get very sick or die from it. But kids carry it. And so in influenza seasons, he posted this graph. You can see like these spikes in like illness and mortality. And they were called the, oh, no, I'm going to forget the name. It was kind of a silly name, but it's referring to like holidays when kids go spend time with their grandparents right? and bring and like all influenza to them. And you get these spikes around Thanksgiving and Christmas right? and it had this hilarious name. But it's also like, they also say, so, so then Christmas break, I think I heard they talked about like Christmas break is also kind of like everyone sort of stays like the kids stay away from each other over the holidays over like two weeks so that also usually results in a drop 
after after that too. Mm-hmm. That kind of brings the end to you. Don't get the yeah passing around. It's to not getting spread homes. as much during the holidays. Although mm-hmm. I mean, it's not getting as yeah. I guess there's two effects going on. There's a mo- yeah. spread among kids and then spread to older people. So the question is, do kids spread COVID nineteen? Yeah. And we just don't know that. Yeah. Nobody has looked, and we don't know. So. Yeah. I mean, if somebody opened a school, at least let's study it and then we'll know. But that's a pretty big risk yeah. to take. We Huggable merchant of death. <laughs> there <laughs> it's called <laughs> festive forcing. Uh-huh. And then the kids are hu- huggable merchants of death. Yeah. That was the... I looked it up. Okay. They, um... Oh, I forgot what I was going to say now. No, okay. continue. Well, I have more things to yeah, say. Yeah, go. Okay, the WHO released <laughs> a statement that they really should have had somebody check before they released it. Mm-hmm. So it was a statement that said there is no evidence that people who have been infected with COVID-19 are immune to another infection with COVID-19. And that was like, that's not exactly the title. Um, That's what they were roughly trying to communicate. No evidence that people can't get reinfected. This was like the title. So it was a very, (laughs) and a very like strong title because what they were trying to say Mm is that um, various leaders are talking about these immunity certificates Mm -hmm. and maybe finding a way to do antibody testing and see who's been infected with COVID-19 and then give them some kind of pass so that they're allowed to go to work and go out in the community. Mm -hmm. And so the WHO is trying to take a very strong stance against that and just say, there is no evidence to support that that works. There's no evidence to s- to support, like, no one has looked to see <laughs> if people with antibodies are immune to COVID-19 mm-hmm. and what level of antibody you need yeah. and whether or not some people might be immune to it without any antibodies. Mm-hmm. Um, they're saying, like, maybe our natural immune system, just our dendritic cells and the parts of our immune system that work on every virus might be enough. So they were just trying to take a very strong statement on immunity certificates. Mm -hmm. But that headline just got blown up and people, reporters and other writers were misinterpreting it as the WHO saying that people are going to get people who have been infected with COVID-19 can get infected again. Yeah. And so they had to reissue a clarification today. Yeah. That's and probably say that they believe uh-huh. that if you've had COVID-19, you won't get it again. Yeah. They were just talking about the immunity certificates. It's my pet peeve around what lack of evidence means and just peop- just communication around it's just such poor communication around what evidence, lack of evidence, and the what what the co- what the m- significance of each of those statements is, right? If there's 
Yes. Evidence for something. If there's not evidence for something. Which I would understand if it was just like a sentence that they had said. Yeah. But it was a whole position paper. Like if you actually bothered to read it. If you open it and read it within the first two paragraphs, you understand completely what they're saying. Yeah. So anybody who is regurgitating this mm-hmm. in headline form was either purposefully misleading their readers or they didn't do yeah. basic work of reading mm-hmm. those couple paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Anyways. <sighs> Drama. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's all the headline pieces. Mm-hmm. And then... There's two articles I wanted to talk about about the physiological impacts of COVID-19 because we just keep learning more and more and more and more mm-hmm. about how it affects the body. And so the New York Times had an opinion piece on oxygenation levels um, by some guy who I guess is an e- expert in intubation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was saying that well, there have been numerous reports that <laughs> when you go to intubate a patient with COVID-19, sometimes you have to ask them to get off their phone, yeah. which may not seem weird to us lay people. But then the doctor is going to explain that that doesn't ever happen because by the time you have to intubate somebody, they're far too sick to be on their phone they're like drowsy they're barely (laughs) alive yeah and but you have these COVID-19 patients that are like still functioning when their measured oxygen levels are like at at the floor where you expect them to be like passing out and nobody really understands what's going on Mm -hmm. and so the problem it is, so when it's in the hospital, I mean, that's one thing, but they're always on monitors if you're in the hospital. But if you send a patient home, their oxygen can be dropping. Mm-hmm, they won't know. And they won't notice yeah. for some reason. Mm-hmm. So after I read this, I started checking my oxygen level like <laughs> every several hours just yeah. to make sure because we have those monitors at home. And that's what people were sending. So like Chris Cuomo talked about, right? He had, he's like the CNN anchor who had COVID and he Mm -hmm. was open about this on the air. And so when he mentioned that he had it, he got mailed like dozens of those fingertip O2 sensors. Yeah. Because like, I guess doctors just know that that's like, if if you're watching yourself, like if you're kind of caring for yourself at home, this is something you should probably be checking regularly. Yeah. because you can't necessarily you won't feel that bad necessarily before it's too late and i think in new york uh, at least in one hospital they probably in many they started a finger pulse ox program where if you come into the hospital you get diagnosed with covid19 they send you home with one right that makes sense so that you just check yourself because for some reason you can't feel it until you're really far gone yeah just bizarre so anyways, my oxygen's been fine. Yeah, <laughs> good. Should we talk about Montreal? Just the, the so Quebec seems to have done well, it seems, from a public health perspective, which might be why they're pushing to open some things earlier. 
but there seems to be this like disaster brewing in in Montreal specifically in long-term care I guess is it any worse than do we know is the long-term care situation no, worse done any research on this yeah. yet it just seems like I just saw an article or a comment from David Fisman about the way he put it made it sound like I can't remember the terms he used but it made it sound like it was worse than what was going on in the rest of the world. I think, I think what he, someone had posted the per capita death rates and Montreal's are worse than Italy's. Yeah, but I know you have to take per capita death rate. It's not like you can just do compare a country to a city, but that if they were, it seemed like he took that Tim Hart, David Fisman, your Mm -hmm. boyfriend. Oh, come on. (laughs) No, I don't. I was hoping to talk about that tomorrow night because I don't. I haven't done any research on that. That's all I know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So then can I go back to talking about what I was talking about? Yeah. Okay. Um, So then... The other piece that I was reading about the physiology was about strokes. And so this was in the Washington Post. Um, and apparently young coronavirus patients like in 30s and 40s are coming in with these massive strokes that are usually only seen in like 70-year-olds. Uh. And so it just seems like COVID-19 can cause blood clots in some people mm-hmm. which has been l- leading to pulmonary embolisms heart attacks strokes mm-hmm. um these like bruises or weird rash things on your toes mm. all these clots mm-hmm. in addition to the lung stuff and the kidney stuff and mm-hmm. so we just keep learning more and more and more mm-hmm. and so far it's all the stuff we're learning is bad mm. so okay um did you have something else you want to talk about no okay um the other thing on my list is um like how people are trying to model the disease take seasonal fluctuations into account and I'm really interested in I in in transmission in how COVID-19 is transmitted mm-hmm. because I think if the more we know about that the better we can tailor our social distancing mm-hmm. so we've talked about before like outdoors in a park mm-hmm. on a beach mm-hmm. is there really a significant risk of transmission mm-hmm. there mm-hmm what yeah was I mean there don't a headline know. with outdoors there's apparently a paper on outdoors did you see that no i, I started to do trudeau said something i'm pretty sure i started to look for papers for transmission and I um i just didn't have time to look into it very much but i think there's certainly not like any consensus on this yet right there's just bits of information here and there and 
somebody on Twitter who had been doing contact tracing hmm. for, I don't know if it was the Ontario government or the federal government, yeah. said that from his vantage point, he thinks that you're more likely to get COVID-19 from a grocery store than a hospital, yeah. like going into a hospital. And I was like, from where I'm sitting, that seems very untrue. But I would like to know why he said that. Right. Um, but I think contact tracing, too, is very biased because it's much easier to trace indoor contacts and outdoor contacts. Mm. You don't know who you walk by in a park. Right. Or who you were at the grocery store with, even. But you know what grocery store you went to. Mm-hmm. So, but the point is, if we can do the studies and understand like there are studies that say 70 or 80 percent of transmissions that happen in households Mm -hmm. so maybe we need to do a better job of having places for six people to go that aren't their house Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. having quarantine facilities and a hotel or somewhere where you can go away from your family so that you don't get the rest of your household sick. Yeah. Um, and if we can kind of break down, if 70% of transmission happens in the household, that means it's only 30% of transmission happening everywhere else. Mm-hmm. So where are those places? Is it the grocery store? Is it the park? Is it the playground? Like if you can just knock off the big areas of transmission, mm-hmm. is it public transit? Like, what do we do about those big things? And then let people go to the beach. Because mm-hmm. I bet that's not one of the places. Like, let people yep. do the things that are low risk. Yeah. Here's that. Without guilt. Yeah, exactly. New study finds few cases of outdoor transmission of coronavirus in China. I think this is the one. So, Scott Gottlieb, this is the former FDA commissioner, I think. He mm-hmm. said study of 318 outbreaks in China found transmission occurred out of doors in only one. Right. I did see that. Mm-hmm. But. Most occurred in home or public transport. Yes. But again, I think that's going to be biased because it's easier to identify the indoor ones. Like you don't know which ones like there could be outdoor clusters that they just didn't know about or find that you they just assumed were indoor no that they didn't identify that hadn't uh. been identified as a cluster uh. right right like you just have these individual people showing up yeah to the hospital and you can't figure out where they got it from but maybe they all it says all ad- okay. So you're saying it says as your all identified outbreaks of three or more cases occurred in an indoor environment, which confirms that indoor space is a major infection risk. But you're saying there may have been I'm unidentified it's outbreaks. Yeah. Yeah. So like you want to look at like I haven't read that paper yet. Yeah. So I don't know if it accounts for that, but like you'd want to know how many people are infected that they weren't able to trace. Yeah. Oh, it hasn't been peer reviewed yet. I don't know. 
So, yeah, I don't, I mean, we don't have a good answer, but I feel, I just want a lot of research attention to be put towards that right now. Yeah. To really nail down what are the places and sources of transmission. And then on seasonal fluctuations. Okay, so this is coming from... Mm-hmm. There's this article in Science Magazine called Modeling Infectious Disease Dynamics. And it doesn't say this, but somebody called it Modeling Infectious Disease for Dummies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it's really, like, not written for professionals. Mm -hmm. Um, It's written for people like me. And I read it. Mm -hmm. And so one thing I found fascinating about it is that our seasonal influenza waves... Mm -hmm. We don't know why they're seasonal. Right. It's not clear. It's not temperature Mm. because they seem to actually start even in the warmer areas and move up to the colder areas. People think it might be related to humidity. It's very unclear. Mm. And so, you know, people were saying maybe COVID-19 is is seasonal and will go, go go away in the summer and then other people are like no that won't happen because look at all these hunt hot countries that it's thriving in mm-hmm. and then the reply to that is well seasonality is not just temperature that doesn't say anything yeah so it's the people are still saying like it c- it could still mm-hmm. be seasonal and we won't necessarily know why yeah but a change in something yes. might decrease it. And so also the thing to watch out for is um, correlation and causation. So let's mm-hmm. say it is seasonal, but we take some action mm-hmm. and all of a sudden our cases just drop. And we're like, wow, this action that we took worked so well when really it was just a it change was just in seasonal humidity. and it's going to come back. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, I don't know, but I thought that was very interesting. And and people have also pointed out that Florida has fewer cases than you would expect it to, considering how much it was ignoring this at the beginning and was pretty late to close things down, kept its spring break going. Yes. And they did not turn into a New York so theories abound. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the humidity. Maybe it's the amount they're outdoors. Maybe it's the airflow in their buildings. Like, who so knows? There's so many. Maybe it's none of those things. Yeah. Fascinating. It is fascinating. And it's so important to know because the more we know, the more we can fine tune our behaviors. I mean, I guess people are crossing their fingers in a sense it'd be great if everything dropped off as the temperatures got warmer but and more humid but would i mean is it just delaying the inevitable if it if in the fall it switches back yeah yeah it will be yeah and may catch us off guard if we don't understand that it's seasonal right when people are starting to get comfortable going back to normal 
We'll see. I don't know. It's it feels like in every conversation I've had about like planning for events and things in the you know, going forward, everyone is very much exp- you know, backup plan if we see a resurgence in the fall. That's what universities I think are basically it sounds like some places might start you know might have some classes and things but in rooms where they have they can still distance students you know so you get a giant mm-hmm. room you get a giant auditorium for like you know people only sit like in every third seat or something they can spread people out in a giant space but but at this at the hint that something's that things are spreading again they would go all online again yeah i mean i think that's smart that's what we all should be have to be prepared for and i think any reopening plan is going to have to come with that caveat and that line like we're gonna reopen this much and as soon as we see This. this measure hit yeah how we do they need to how do they define close down again yeah where are they going to define I mean it that's what they hopefully are all working on <laughs> do you think christmas will be canceled christmas probably a lot of aspects of christmas will be canceled yes mm-hmm. but christmas itself I mean, not Christmas. You can't cancel Christmas itself. Know, but like Christmas dinners, like. I don't know. I can we get. Can we meet with family at? Cri- can we go visit family at Christmas? Will I we be have to? hope for that. I in hope. The case for small, like small gatherings under twenty-five or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Santa Claus parade, corporate Christmas dinners, like uh, no. I don't think so. Right. So over 50, maybe not, but under, maybe under 50. Even 25. Like, I would say really the, the, um, the importance of it, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people love to get together with their family. It's very meaningful. Yeah. And so you, I would expect those events maybe to happen more with smaller people, but like who really loves their work Christmas party? Like, wh- <laughs> like you know? Yeah, no, I see what <laughs> you're saying. <laughs> like you just find a different way. Yeah. To show your employees that you appreciate them. Yeah. It's not doesn't quite have the same value, I don't think. Yeah. So. You have to, yeah, pick your battles. Because yeah. any gathering, be it 25 or 50, is going to have some risk to it. So yeah. it's like, is it worth the risk? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Christmas, a long time away. Mm-hmm. It's April. Ooh, oh, I should mention we had, we ran out of CO2 for our... Soda stream. Soda stream water bubbler, bubbly water maker. Mm-hmm. And so Canadian Tire, they have curbside pickup, put an order in on Saturday, and 
tonight I got a notice saying that it's ready for pickup. That was, was quite fast. Thank Pat- goodness. Thank goodness. Particularly because the other order I put in for shipping was took a lot. Like they had a target shipping date of some, they gave a certain date, April something, which is like a week after I put the thing in. Fine. But then it actually didn't get shipped for another week or two after that even. So I was sort of wondering if the del- that extra week or two delay was going to be for everything coming out of a place like Canadian Tire. But it looks like the curbside pickup might be, they might be prioritizing that stuff and delaying the shipping stuff. So just, that was, it's good. It's good because Tillich only drinks carbonated water <laughs> and he might have... I might die. Died of dehydration if we hadn't got that. Yeah. Um, okay. I think that's it. I think that's it. That yeah. might have had to po- pass as my joke because I don't have a joke. That was a good joke. Um. Also, it was reminiscent of Arrested Development where Tobias had graft versus host <laughs> disease from his <laughs> hair plugs and all he had to do was take his hair plugs out yes. and he would be cured but he just didn't want to he was trying to fundraise for medical treatment and gain sympathy and I told Tillich like, he would be the same with his I have no water <laughs> just drink tap water no I can't <laughs> do it Yeah. so Thankfully, you will not have to. You will have your CO2 canisters. Well, we haven't gotten them yet. Oh, maybe I spoke to you. I mean, I have to go pick them up and figure out what this whole curbside pickup, how that all works. I'll try tomorrow. Another adventure to recount on the podcast. Yeah. All All right. right. Good night. Good night.